It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we put on the shoes of all the episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here joining me, coming back today from Mission Log and some other spots is Charlene Schmidt. Hi. Hey. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. I'm sorry. You should spit out that you have another notable podcast, which I just didn't spit the name out of, I think. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've done a few things, but some of them are current and some are in the past. And so which one are you talking about? <laughs> I, I guess if I was going to listen to one this afternoon, which one should I go for? Oh, golly. Uh, if you're not listening to Mission Log Prodigy, which you should be, that's number one. But if you're not th- uh, listening to that or if you're caught up, Check me out on Virtual Trek Cons, Trek and Chill, Friday nights. We talk a little bit of Star Trek. We end up talking about food, all sorts of random things, whatever comes to mind. It may or may not go off the rails. You never know. And it's a great time. And you can find that on YouTube at Virtual Trek Cons page. Groovy. Yeah, so I want to give you the, the upfront bump since uh, we are waiting for more Prodigy at the moment. So <laughs> oh, painstakingly waiting. Yes. <laughs> I did. I did look at the toys, but they cost more in Japan. So, um, of course, sometimes I'm like, why don't I have cool collectibles like other people? Or, gee, why don't I take trips like other people? And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in a room with like 12 guitars. That's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> we all, Priorities. We, all, we do put. Yes, we, we prioritize where we put things. Um, how many pairs of shoes do I have? I'm currently functioning on two with some boots stored away. Oh, I have some for <laughs> orchestra for uh, orchestra concerts, but I only wear those every once every six months. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to go four pairs of shoes. I currently have four pairs of shoes. Uh, none of them okay. from a dead person. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three. I've got my tennis shoes. I've got sandals for when it's warmer out. And then I've got a more formal pair of shoes that I wear when I have to like go outside and pretend like I'm a civilized human being, which isn't very often, thank goodness. And as far as I know, none of them came from anybody who's dead. I no longer have the formal pair because it's Japan and in all of the branch schools I work at, it's a take off your shoes. So uh, mm, perfect. I, I go around in a, in a suit, and no shoes. Maybe I should go for barefoot sometime. That'd be weirder. <laughs> <laughs> you wear slippers. You wear slippers. Just be careful. You can get like warts and stuff on your feet if somebody else has one and you touch the floor after them and ew yeah we have the hot springs near japan that tends to happen <laughs> you, you yeah. don't want to deal with that those can be a real pain to treat <laughs> yes they can <laughs> okay. i don't think we should go too far down that road then um so no let's that... not please <laughs> let me get into some trivia for dead man shoes the original air date was january 19th 1962 the script is by charles beaumont though oc rich contributed without an on-screen credit or is that oki rich like the oki finoki swamp i'm not really sure it's spelled o-c-e-e 
Seems like a kind of an old timey name. I don't I don't know how many people yeah. have that now. <laughs> I've never heard that name before ever. Montgomery Pittman is back to direct this episode, but not to write it as he often does. Uh, the last one you were on the grave was one that he wrote and directed, but just directing here. Um, Warren Stevens played Nate Bledsoe. He was all over television from the 50s to the 80s with just his credits in Westerns or mysteries really being too numerous to mention. For us genre fans, we will mention his appearance in Star Trek's By Any Other Name and his film role as Doc Ostro in the movie Forbidden Planet. I think he's the one that fries his brain by trying out the uh, the alien tech, if I remember correctly. <laughs> or he gets eaten by the monster. It's been a few years since I watched Forbidden Planet. <laughs> Boss Daggett was played by Richard Devon. He's one of those guys who hung out in the televised Old West with credits on the regular Gunsmoke Bonanza Loop. He also appeared on shows like Space Patrol and The Monkees. Hey, hey. The Monkees. <laughs> yeah. Wilma was Joan Marshall. This, along with Star Trek's Court Marshall, are probably her best known appearances. Interestingly, she was married to director Hal Ashby, but only for a year. Maybe Harold oh. and Maud bummed her out. I don't know. Also, it seemed like <laughs> Hal Ashby like decided to become a hippie at like age 40. So maybe that Interesting. Maybe could have had something to do with it. <laughs> ben Wright played Chips. He did a fair amount of television work. But if you recognize him, it's likely due to his role as Herr Zeller in The Sound of Music. Not a bad credit. Yeah. Daggett's girlfriend was played by Florence Marley. She had numerous 40s film roles, including Sealed Verdict with Ray Milan and Tokyo Joe alongside Humphrey Bogart. Later on, she'd play the titular role in Queen of Blood, and she'd appear in the truly bizarre, still difficult to obtain 1975 film, The Astrologer. Have you ever heard of that one? No. What is this? It's this really bizarre movie that it's kind of like the room of the 70s but it um used a lot of unlicensed music for its soundtrack i believe so it's oh um, i used to do a podcast where we do educational films and cop films and and one of my co-hosts for that he was like it's on youtube right now download it and let's do it and you know two days later it was gone right God, so it's oh just, dang first, it this one gets sniped for some reason but yeah it, it, okay it, is it I mean, the music issue? Is that why it keeps getting pulled? I think that's the the main reason. But other than that, it's Aww. just a truly bizarre movie at the same time. So, oh man, <laughs> if if you can ever find a copy for me, tell me where to go. I will download that. I will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I might be able to do that. We'll see. <laughs> the music in this episode was repurposed from the season one episode, "The Fever." Uh, that's one I think I like more than most people because I, I fell in love with the uh, walking, talking slot machine. Um, that is featured <laughs> in that episode. Otherwise, I understand it is a pretty mediocre Twilight Zone, but just that that walking, talking slot machine wins me over. So, you prefer that to some shoes? Yeah, the shoes don't walk and talk, right? So, well, that's that's a very good point. <laughs> but they are well, portals to the Twilight Zone. So. Yeah. Well, I'll get into my thoughts. I have things to say about this episode, of course, too. So, uh... oh yes, yes, I have thoughts as well. Can't wait. I have given you a prologue to read, if you would do the honor. Certainly. Nathan Edward Bledsoe of the Bowery Bledsoes, man once a specter now, one of those myriad modern day ghosts that haunt the reeking nights of the city in search of a flop, a handout, a glass of forgetfulness. 
Nate doesn't know it, but his search is about to end because those shiny new shoes are going to carry him right into the capital of the Twilight Zone. It was a little like disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a nice length. It's not too long, not too short. Um, it's good. I was disappointed by shoes last weekend. Um, I, we were going to get some shoes for my daughter. I went in the discount area and they had like, um, they, they were like $70 Black Panther Adidas. I was like, that's cool. I'll buy that. But um, yeah, they don't, they didn't, they didn't fit right. Adidas tend to be, I have really wide feet. So if they're not like four wide, I'm, I can't wear them. So. Oh, look. gotcha. Then I got home. I looked on uh, the American website. Those things are selling for 200 bucks. I was like, man, I would have had a deal. So they, they were subtle. They yeah. Were, they're just black shoes with little purple and gold highlights and a little bit of the uh, Wakandan script on it. So, they, you know, oh, if you wow. Look, if you look closely, they're very cool. I was a little disappointed. Uh, I you know, if shipping wasn't so expensive to and from Japan, you could put those on eBay and probably make a lot of money. It did cross my mind. Yes. But, uh, I'm too lazy for that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of work doing all of that, especially if you, on a regular basis. I used yeah. to. I used to put things on eBay all the time, but it <laughs> is work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as for this episode, I, I, I gave this one two views. The second time, I got like more like reverse temporal Tarantino vibes, I guess. Like as somebody watching it <laughs> here and now, I started feeling like Tarantino vibes. I was like, well, well, yeah, but this is what he was copying a bit or, or repurposing, you know, from you know, forties and fifties, like hard boilers and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, second time around, this was an interesting experience because first time in watching it for the very first time ever, the music right away is telling me, high octane car chase, get away, get away, car. But it's just this car driving around somewhat slowly. <laughs> kind of made me wonder why are they going for such an energetic beat? Like, are they that desperate to try and pull people in? And it threw me off. But second time around actually made a lot more sense just because I knew a whole lot more about what was happening context wise. I guess that music is supposed to invoke Vegas, which is not this episode, really. Well, it's not in Vegas at all, is it? But um... no. But yeah, mm -hmm. since it came from the fever, that was their first like Vegas episode. So, um, okay, what's well, really not? Has... No, no Vegas. I know we're it's sort of like a mob story, but even that, not it's not really invoking that either. Yeah, I'm I'm double checking uh because it just said it was you know repurposed from this episode, but I'm wondering if that was Jerry Goldsmith that that wrote that original music because uh, season one has mm -hmm. a lot of Bernard Herman and uh, Jerry Goldsmith, so. Let's Interesting. See what, see what Wiki does for me. Wiki does nothing for me. What? Nothing. You did, did, oh. Nothing. Nothing. Wiki has let me down. Huh. Oh not, wow! Fail. Who did the uh, oh episode notes? Da, 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 da. Nah, nah. They don't tell you at all. I'd have to like go back and look at the episode itself. I guess. Okay. Oh well, <laughs> for shame on that. <laughs> Boo, Wiki. <laughs> yeah, come on, internet. Um, this is a really it's like the supernatural element of this is like strong and subtle at the same time. I guess it's because there's not much of a twist. It's just like, you know, we have these beyond the grave possession shoes. And from there, it, it really is kind of a, uh, a a crime drama. A little bit like with sort of a 
it's not really a body switch. It's like a switch of consciousness into the body, which is a nice little twist. One thing I really liked about this story is that, yeah, it is simple. It's a simple premise, easy to figure out what's going on. And then you can just enjoy the chaos that happens in the meantime. And it brings up some good questions too later on. Right. Oh, and I guess that is one, maybe one of the reasons I really did think of a Tarantino film is uh, like everybody in this is terrible. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, these are not good people. Mm-mm. Like, there's nobody you would get behind in this episode. E- even you know, oh. like, I mean, Wilma pulls a gun on him. So pretty deservedly, that's a guy you would want to pull a gun on, especially sure. He also slaps her. Um, yeah, that wasn't cool. But she's also associated with Dane, which means she can't be so great herself. She's yeah, she's already the ball. So um, I, I, I guess yeah. Daggett's yeah. lady is just kind of there. But again, you know, who knows? I don't know if being a mole makes you complicit or not. Um, you know. It, it, yeah, we didn't get enough context though. on her. Although I did like that character. She just had a very Jaja Gabor vibe. And I was I was digging it. Yeah, yeah. Again, it, she was a... I mean, not not a lister, of course, but she, you know, made some tracks as a starlet in the forties. So, um, definitely those vibes. <clears throat> uh, going into one of those tangents we were talking about before air, I'm reading a book right now called um, "All the Gin Joints," which is talking hmm. about everyone's um, Hollywood alcohol adventures and talking about. <laughs> there's a little chapter for a lot of the um, the restaurants or, or lost ones. You know, the bit for Musso and Frank in there. There's the Coca Cabana, all that sort of stuff. It has little chapters, but uh, it is cool. interesting that the evolution of how people would uh, debauch in Hollywood. Uh, you know, the twenties was <laughs> was what the Babylon thing because you could party all night, be on set at eight in the morning, and it's fine. You don't have to do any lines, right? <laughs> uh, how how the talkies kind of kind of killed the the all night parties because now you really do need to be home by midnight for a six a.m. Uh, call and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, it's, it's, and of course, prohibition was uh, a thing because sure, those wild parties in the twenties were different. Um, the forties, <laughs> I bet actually, those were wild. Yeah, the forties being a little more chill, it seems like you, like I mentioned, Ray Milan. She was uh, alongside Ray Milan, who, uh, when he did the Lost Weekend, basically had to teach himself to be drunk because he wasn't a drinker. So he oh, went wow. to his family and said, "Okay, family, I'm going to get completely." slammed tonight and then i'm gonna try doing my lines and uh (laughs) and i think and uh, i think he was like out in the street doing his lines and like someone called the cops on him for being a drunk so (laughs) something like that yeah that checks but yeah yeah these these kind of wild stories is you know it's a fun book it's really really long too it just goes on forever uh but (laughs) how many pages uh it's it's an you know it's a kindle right so it's always a little hard to tell but um, I will I will check on that because I am kind of curious how long it because I'm only like 50 percent in. So I have to see how much longer I have to go. <laughs> gotcha. I bet there's some great stuff in that book, though. Just those had to have been some wild times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do come in being like, oh, God, the 20s really were the most wild. The, the roaring 20s. <laughs> I, I, they say, did roar. huh? Yes. Yes. Uh, cool. Let me see what we got. Oh, yeah. No. Oh. None of the hobos have socks. I, I don't know if that's weird or not. I um, noticed that. I didn't know if that was a regular thing because I thought, why isn't the guy taking the socks too while he's at it? 
But then later on, they make the note that the shoes are a little snug anyway, so he probably didn't have room. Yeah, I, you know, size nine is too small for me, I think. I'm I'm safe, I believe. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. <laughs> but uh but and I have big feet, so I can't I can't really share shoes much and big wide feet, yeah. So I, I can't really share. I'd be safe from this from this curse, I think. Or I that's yeah, that's an advantage here. Although I it is weird uh, living in Japan, uh the largest shoe size is a little smaller than what I used to wear. But it turns out what I used to wear was probably too big so i'm now wearing the correct shoe size if they're wide i don't okay i, mean, I guess this is the episode for shoe shy shoe shy <laughs> shoe size talk i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean shoes are very important here i did like the shoes just the way they they looked they definitely stood out they're super shiny yeah of course a homeless guy is going to take those i wonder what color they actually were because uh you hear about you know, like how you when you're making black and white stuff, you still need to choose the color because of how it's going to contrast in black and white. Right. So. The episode describes them, right, as sort of like a silver and uh, something else. Silver, white combination. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's what they really looked like in real life because of what you just described. Yeah, I, I think it was on one of the mission logs. Someone mentioning um, that color picture of the Adams family and just everything is an insane color because it was chosen, you know, for that. Right. Right. That's cool. Let's see how they uh, describe those because I, I think they describe them in the, the closing bit, which I usually don't include on this podcast uh, unless it just I think really, so. Really. Yeah. Used to be there. If you. Oh, here we go. Uh, size nine black and gray loafers made to order That's in the old were. country. Okay. In the old country. So apparently in the old country, you can access the Twilight Zone because that's where these shoes came from. The shoes that came from the Twilight Zone. Okay, that, that makes sense. So, uh, yeah. Uh, here we go. The book answer. Um, I will. This is all the gin joints, the length of the book. I am going to skip the bit with the bibliography and stuff, which is quite <laughs> long. So without, without the bibliography, yeah, 564 pages of Hollywood Ooh. booze stories. That's a lot of booze <laughs> and a lot of stories. Yeah. Oh, the one nice. I just read about was uh, Spencer Tracy, who in the 30s, you know, top basically the top star of the time, winning Oscars left and right, all that. Yeah. Uh, 99% of the time professional and sober on uh on set. Um offset, mm, they they the, they had a the Tracy squad, like all the bars and LA were basically told if you see Spencer Tracy come in, call this number. And then the PR guy at uh, maybe his MGM had his phone just for that. And when it rang, it's like, oh, Tracy's there. And he'd, he'd send like a couple doctors and uh, secu security people in like an ambulance, just, you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because he would get on a violent bender very quickly when he was on oh, his own time. Oh, wow. So for did he just massively overdo it and then become a mean, violent drunk? Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Wow, that's not a good way to so go, the, buddy. 
the Tracy squad would get there as soon as possible. And sometimes that was too late, apparently. Wow. Um, so he went to work real way quick with this. And then if he really That's wanted to I'm go hearing. on a bender, it said he'd go to New York City and uh, stay at a hotel drinking like bourbon in a bathtub for a week. So, oh, my God. <laughs> Could you imagine? This is the kind of life. I, I've I've never really understood because it's not mine. I don't have it. Don't think I'd want it though either. Like think, this is an era bygone. You think of how um, you know how a lot of classic film stars didn't live to be that old. Or you have like say, uh, is it Richard Harris playing Dumbledore in the first Harry Potter? He's only seventy two, but he looks like a hundred and seventeen. You know, right? And, and then, is and it died. well? Because they were doing this kind of stuff. Right, right. You know, Johnny Cash was only like 70 when he died and he looked like 300, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, all that booze, it's not good for you. We know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Of course, the guys in this, there are some very nice bars in this episode. I think we get three because there's the one in uh, Dane's apartment. There's there's Uh the bar he meets him in and does Daggett's office have a bar in it? Maybe that one doesn't. I don't. I don't remember. Oh that golly! One. It does get it, served mm, a drink though. <laughs> yeah, I think like it may be like a little mini area. Like it's not a bar bar, but then there's the bar area outside. Dane's apartment had the um had, had the really nice like personal one. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. The, the whole fix me a drink thing had very woman make me a sandwich vibe. Yeah, that definitely date well i guess in some cases unfortunately it does not date this episode but as far as what we're watching <laughs> on screen it does date the episode um i guess i mean he get kind of gets his comeuppance i guess he's coming back again but uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a promise he made I mean, it <laughs> i mean it seems this is how he'd been rolling for years anyway so yeah yeah I what are my what are my notes here um oh yeah straight to me too with an arm break threat probably best not to know this backstory uh, oh i said she <laughs> she could have gotten him sloppy drunk and then bludgeoned him <laughs> she could since, have why didn't she <laughs> you know weaponize it right so yeah she she wasn't really thinking that hard about it she just wanted him out that was it that was all yeah and then at the other one he um orders a tequila with a cube of sugar which is is that a bizarre drink order i would get a manhattan there uh it <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a very specific drink order, which is why it stood out. Now, yeah, I have I, no idea if that's any good. I've never tried that. I guess if I were in, well, I wouldn't want to be in this position, but if I were in the people know who you are by what you're ordering, um, maybe maybe a Moscow mule would be be my choice. Mm. Are you that's not a bad Moscow one. Mule? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. It was weird. Uh, my my When I was lived in Athens, Georgia, in my early 20s or whatever, uh, the Manhattan bar that that was their one of their things, Moscow Mule, and no one else had it in you know, Atlanta or whatever. And uh, I come to Japan, it's like a standard here. So everyone, uh. every, every all the pubs or Japanese pubs uh, have a Moscow Mule on the menu. So <laughs> nice, yeah, good choice. Let's see. Oh, I have a fear of electric razors. Oh, you do. Oh, so you really hated that scene in the bathroom, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, um. We live with uh, my we live with my parent in laws, right? My wife's parents and um, some my my father in law will use an electric razor, and if he starts using, I'll just like leave the room. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, is it the sound itself? <laughs> I think so. 
about 10 years ago, I think I was going to like a job interview or something. I, I didn't have quite good enough to shave and my, and she, my wife tried to, um, you know, like get sick, the electric razor on me. And I was just like flipping out. And she's like, oh, joking. wow. I'm, like, I'm not joking. <laughs> okay. Does this stem from a traumatic experience? Do you mind if I'm asking? Actually, I think it does. And I think I can tell you what it was when I was six years old, I was getting a haircut and they were using the razor and the, and the barber like chopped the end of my ear off and you know, it's a super bloody mess. So that's probably why. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Even okay. now when I get a haircut, when they do the clippers and they're getting around that area, I'll get this weird twitch at the in my lower left back. I've got to hold on to the barber chair so I don't jerk around. <laughs> Your body <laughs> just has that instant reflex now. So actually, yeah, there's a, there's a very specific reason, I guess, why I have that uh, reaction. So Makes a whole lot of sense, buddy. Because I mean, if that's where the thing happens when you're 26 years old, yeah, probably not. But yeah, when you're six years old, it kind of gets hardwired as a response. Um, oh, totally. That kind of trauma lasts for life. And I, I haven't had it for eh, probably the past 10 years, which is nice. But um, yeah, I, that part of my back also, I used to have like serious back problems there. So it's weird. Mm. How I should be angry at that barber. So you really should. <laughs> it costs you a lot of undue stress and pain. I, don't know, I, I guess my my advice would be uh, try to feel healthier in your 40s than you did in your 20s, which seems to be working out so far. It's good <laughs> advice. And you know what? If you do it right, you can. It's true. I'm trying to do that myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be that Japan guy. Living in Japan probably helps a lot. So um, I have the last photo. Probably. Of, <laughs> sometimes I like to show people the last photo of me before I came back to Japan, which was at Trader Vic's in Atlanta in 2010. And I'm just like, it's, people are like, what? Because I'm what, probably a good 30 pounds heavier in that photo, if not oh, more. Probably more. Yeah. Probably more like 40. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> crappy American food can do that for sure. <laughs> and I, I think I was overdoing it at that point in time because I was like, oh, I'll go to Japan, lose it anyway, which turned out to be the case. It took another five years <laughs> for me to, to really uh, focus down on that, which was, uh, if anyone wants another health tip, I mostly just quit drinking any sugary drinks or juices. So, mm. <laughs> That that'll just poof, yeah. Yeah, really. that stuff can add up so fast. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now that see. said, the razor was really loud. Yeah. Like you can't miss that thing. <laughs> Cause last season we had a thing about machines where I think it was a it was a razor electric toothbrush chasing him around and it it wasn't so big and loud on the soundtrack. It didn't last for like a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now this this did. It was a good solid chunk of audio and it was like especially if you had headphones on, which I did for one of the viewings, it's just, you know, all over surrounding your ear. Yeah, I definitely had thought am I going to fast forward through this, which I didn't. Uh this morning I watched it again without <laughs> headphones and uh it was still annoying. <laughs> so like I said, I, when my father-in-law is doing it and, I, I, you know, I feel like I can't just be like that thing drives me nuts. Right. So I just kind of like <laughs> uh, serendipitously leave leave the room or try yeah. not to enter the room if it looks like he's about to do that. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go on a quick tangent for a we moment? Are, we've been doing a lot of those. I mean, we have, but <laughs> you've got one more. I've got something for you, which is that I have misophonia, which is a thing where certain sounds, usually sounds made by the mouth give you kind of an irrationally uh, hasty and downright angry sometimes response. Like it's an absolute hatred because your fight or flight is triggered by these sounds and you just want to strangle the person doing it. 
just, you know, stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> when really the best thing you can possibly do is remove yourself and you may or may not be able to, but it's a bitch. Yeah. There's been once or twice, like maybe when I can't, like I'm washing the dishes and, um, you know, my hands are just completely, in that case, I can just make sure the water's running. And it's not, you know, that. Kind sure. Of... So, yeah, I mean, that is the thing. Um, if you can avoid situations you don't like, you know, because a lot of us do just step into situations we don't like, like, for, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know why people are like, why, you know, like the, like the drama queen idea, like why do bad things keep happening to, to me? Cause you're kind of walking into them a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe you didn't need to share your hot take opinion with those people in that situation. So. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully um, you learn <laughs> regardless of what your opinion you know being right isn't always uh, a good time to tell people you're right even if you are right so <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who don't like that anyway exactly but there's a lot of people out there who do feel like they have to be right it's a weird thing especially in western culture where that is strength being right feeling right i would specifically say american culture because uh you know mm -hmm. I, I work with several foreign teachers and it's it's the americans myself included where if something goes wrong we're, we're the people trying to like explain it right we're <laughs> a lot, like the brits are just oh sorry right <laughs> mm, you know yeah we're probably the worst at it for sure because america yeah i still have that you know I've, I've lived in japan enough that it's it's somewhat subdued i think but i still have that you know like that reflex to explain it right <laughs> right yeah i'm sure you, you catch it too more just because other people around you aren't doing the same thing yeah yeah so i i would <laughs> say that's pretty much an americanism yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we're great aren't we <laughs> speaking of great people dane how abusive do you think he is toward his wife um, well, con considering how casual it is in this episode, uh, like I wrote in my note, probably best to not to know, probably best not to know this backstory, uh, anymore than <laughs> we're getting already. It's, it's probably, yeah, it's probably not a happy story. Like they're probably married out of convenience or necessity for some sort of business purpose. You know, they don't actually love each other. He casually slaps her. So, just in such a fashion that it's nothing to him and to her even like she just you know takes it and wow not cool not cool at all because it obviously has gotten a lot worse before for that to be nothing i mean it's you know it's it's the later arc of the the gangster mole you know like like goodfellas or scorsese you know a Scorsese casino made by Scorsese <laughs> have, have, you know, stuff like this happening later in the movie, right. As their, as their marriages to the bombshell begins to uh, shatter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, indeed. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't think we want more context on this relationship. It's not good. It's not healthy, but as you stated before, really none of these people are. They are all bad. They're all in some sort of like mob organized crime ring kind of thing. They're up to no good, all of them. Uh, I always like to talk about people who I think like look like other people in these episodes. So uh, the other hobos near the beginning, the kind of felt like a mean spirited Laurel and Harvey to me. Hardy. Laurel oh, Hardy. sure. I, Harvey I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Stan Laurel <laughs> being like pretty notorious in the gin joint book, by the way. He uh would hmm. show up and and couldn't, you know, start to 
deconstruct himself alcoholically apparently so <laughs> okay okay yeah. people would lock doors uh, when they see him coming yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow party i don't know That's about something. but yes yes dan laura was a was a notorious one for that um and so when we get into the bar and we see a uh, daggett and his right hand man i was like if you took these two people and combined them i think you'd get rod serling just looks wise Ooh. <laughs> maybe Maybe yeah. I can I can see a connection there. Sure. Yeah. Which uh, is kind of a silly thing. But, you know, I was watching this at midnight and that's sort of thing that uh, <laughs> that comes to your mind. So, yeah, there's, sure. there's my little lookalike corner. Um, <laughs> you know, for as many like Dane catches the first guy. Right. When he goes into the office and is prepared for what got him the first time. But then don't you think he would try to be uh, on top of everything, knowing that there's that other guy on the other side? Of course, this is not going to be a private meeting, sir, sir. This is like this is like the old timey version of your, uh, you know, your Bowser boss fight in the Mario game, right? (laughs) You just got to keep remembering where all the little hiccups are and Mario keeps coming back. So in a way, Dane is, you know, basically our precursor to Super Mario. This is true. So maybe the next time the next homeless guy comes over, he will be ready for both on both sides. And unless they have another trick up their sleeves and they might and maybe they won't. Maybe this time he'll get old Bernie. Now, that's when they drop an anvil on his head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of weird thoughts I had since this guy, the boss is named Bernie. Like, is this sort of connected in a way to Weekend at Bernie's the movie? Oh, that's an interesting thought. Like yeah. somehow, could you tie this episode with that? And so then they, you know, Bernie dies, and then you have the rest of the movie. That's <laughs> this guy. But you need was it Kevin McCarthy? Is like the guy's name. You need him and his buddy to like reanimate the boss uh, Bernie in those movies, right? I think the second Andrew one is McCarthy. Proper... Andrew, thank you. Uh, I think it's the second one. He's uh, just a zombie, is it? Yeah, he's very dead, but he gets revived, sort of. I think through black magic and his one, like he, he it trigger like when the certain music plays, it triggers a response for him to walk to like a zombie, a place where he buried a whole bunch of money underwater. And since yeah. he's dead, it doesn't matter if he's drowned. Right. That's somehow the, that's that works. One, I mean, it? It, yeah, they, okay. they aren't good movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on. They were great when I saw him when I was 10 years old and picking them up off the uh, VHS. Exactly. Uh, yes, when you're ten, these are the best movies ever. I love them too. <laughs> I mean, I I do the the go on podcast now where we you know seek out the worst movies and, uh, <laughs> and yeah. But weekend at Bernie's doesn't make like an all time worst list, does it? Because like it's, it's just funny enough for right. like it's not so bad. It's good. It's just it's not so good. It's bad. Yeah, I I was very excited. Uh, we did one yesterday where we um did our last spoof movie for a year because the bad list has a lot of the, you know, 2000s, uh, basically 2000, 2015 spoof movies. Okay. Uh, on a list of 200, that's maybe 10 of them. And we've already had to do like three in the first 15, but it's like, Hey, I don't need to, we don't have to do this again for like a year. So now we get to, <laughs> now we get to watch bad movies that I, I really am kind of curious to watch. Um, All right. Everybody requested uh, for uh, the Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas for that one. So, oh gosh, that <laughs> mm. have fun just ripping that one the whole time. It got slightly better reviews than the first one. <laughs> Did it really? 
I was looking at the week yesterday. Oh. That's what I I I, I, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen either it's this time. So um, Okay. But, I saw the first one and I've seen parts of the second one. I thought the second was way worse. Like sort of like the Brady movies in the mid nineties. There's the Brady Bunch movie, which it, again is not so bad. It's good, not so good. It's bad. It's it, it is what it is, and it knows what it is. But then the sequel, oh come on! I got to stand bad. up for the sequel. Yeah, uh, Adam's Family and Brady Bunch. I, I actually prefer the sequels. Wayne's World too. I, I do I really? prefer sequels? What's wrong with me? Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> see, I didn't hate Wayne's World too, but I didn't think it was as good as the first one. Because yeah. that was just lightning in a bottle. That was great. I guess it's, you know, when they, especially these early 90s comedy sequels, they'd have, they'd really try everything in the second one, you know, because they're like the first one, it's this old property where, or, you know, it's from SNL or whatever. Let's just do the thing, make it a movie. It's fine. Second mm-hmm. one's like, oh, we have to do something different now, don't we? <laughs> well, we got to be bigger and better. And we've got to do more, 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 because how else are we going to retain everybody's attention? But then somehow in the midst of that, it the story quality, I think, tends to dwindle down a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. In favor of things like big guest stars or stunts or something. I, I yeah, I still have this illness, I guess, because I'm, I'm a, still a stand up guy for Anchorman, too, as well. Um, okay. The, maybe the only person on the planet that prefers that to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is just your thing. I'm, I'm not going to knock it anymore. I do. I do draw the line at uh, Zoolander too, though. That's definitely not as good. As the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll so take your word on that one. I've never if, seen it. Uh, if you see, it does have a few good jokes in it, which I, I guess I can ruin since the movie's like eight years old at this point. Um, <laughs> they find him um, <clears throat> in the first movie. He, he's built. He's got the model of the school. Apparently, they built the building itself with the same materials as the model, and it collapsed within a day and like um, uh, oh my killed his wife. So he's secluded oh, himself. He killed Christine Taylor. Yeah. So oh, he's become, shoot. He's a recluse as in a mountain man, and they go looking for him, and he opens the door, and he's, you know, he's got oh a God. bearded and long hair, but it's an immaculately crafted beard and stylized <laughs> mountain man hair. Because <laughs> what else would he be doing this whole time besides grooming himself, right? Yeah. Owen oh, Wilson, my God. Owen Wilson shows up with uh, half of a face mask because he's been horribly um, uh, injured. Uh, sometime between the two movies at some point he loses the mask and there's just like this little tiny scar on his face oh my gosh <laughs> so those the, i just gave you the good jokes that's actually oh and justin bieber gets gunned down uh that also happens so those oh. are the three things about that movie that i liked a lot and i forgot okay. every other single thing about <laughs> too. So, um, you know if that's all you get out of it that sounds good enough thanks for yeah. telling me no i don't ever have to watch it right well, like, yeah, these bad spoof movies, it's kind of like, well, let's find the three jokes we actually liked and, you know, try and make some joy <laughs> out of this uh, 3.5 rated film on the Internet Movie Database. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when, and I know you can't join Mission Log After Dark very often, but when we get to an episode of Voyager that just isn't very good, some of those are the very best After Darks because we just go off, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and collectively it's a really good time just pointing out the things that stink and why they stink and sometimes as ha- what happened last week was we realized that it, this episode is not just bad it keeps getting worse the more we talk about it 
Yeah. So that yeah. was an interesting experience. Yeah, I think I was chat lurking in that one. So. <laughs> yeah, that was favorite son for those who do not attend the mission log after dark chat session. And if you do want to watch a bad Voyager episode, that's that's a that, that is. I mean, it's that one is a terrible one that you is still kind of fun to hate watch. I guess. <laughs> It it's, can it's be for certain things, but yeah, it's, it's not, not a good episode, and no, it expects you to take it seriously, and you shouldn't. Because um, with the Twilight Zone, with the bad movies, with the good movies, um, you know the 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 sin of being boring is the worst. If you're flamboyantly <laughs> bad, uh, that's at least entertaining. But if if you're right? just boring, that's when it's a problem. So flamboyantly entertaining, I think that applies to episodes like Threshold, and that's not like that's a good thing. Because it's it is entertaining, you know, even if you are hate watching, even if you cannot believe what you're watching, you are still captivated eyes on the screen. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to look up the names just to make sure. But um, I will tell you, my two favorite Voyager episodes are like right next to each other. And um, both of them are considered like the worst. <laughs> OK, what season? Can I guess? Uh, season five. Ooh, okay. Season five overall is pretty strong. So it is, but there's two stinkers that I absolutely love in the middle. And I'm, okay. I'm just making is, sure I get this. Let's see. Is the haunting of deck 12 in season five? It is not. Um, okay. I do have the correct names up now. If, if, if you what like you got, uh, they aired uh, March 3rd, day after my birthday, 1999. And March 24th, a few weeks between. So so there were a few weeks, but they were sequential episodes. It's the Course Oblivion and the Fight. Uh, oh, Course... you don't like Course Oblivion, huh? No, I love Course Oblivion. Oh, oh okay, okay. Because I'm like, I really like that one, but the okay. fight. Okay, now that one's a little more divisive. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at Jammer's review sites for, for my list where he's he's given both of them one and a half stars out of four. So Oof. <laughs> But uh, those two, uh, the first one is just ridiculously bleak and dark. And then the fight has chaotic space. (laughs) (laughs) Chakotay's a boxer now. Love it. Throw out, throw out all the tech talk. It's a techno babble, (laughs) just chaotic space. I love it. (laughs) Um, I'm going to remember that the next time I watch that episode. Have fun with it. Do you have any uh, major thoughts on Dead Man Shoes? I suppose we should talk about that, huh? <laughs> like we're doing yeah. anything but talking about those episodes. Uh, I mean, overall, it's a great episode. I enjoyed it. it. You know, as far as watching the Twilight Zone goes, this is up here as a fun one to watch. I enjoyed watching it again as well. And s- the performances are solid. I really like the subtlety in the body language going from Nathan to Dane. Because Nathan is very hyper vigilant. He's kind of looking around, watching behind his back, see if anybody's watching him. But Dane, he's just chill. He is looking forward. He is not watching his back at all. Yeah, the scene where he briefly takes off the shoes is probably the best acted one in this episode. (laughs) I agree. Because you can totally tell when the switch happens. And and now his... um... Well, Dane's wife now is on the upper hand because, you know, this guy is yep. just uh, down and out in the street guy who cannot, who should not, like she said, shouldn't have been there in the first place and definitely can't. And she's handle, got a gun. Yeah. And she's got a gun that doesn't help either. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And he's completely out of his element. He does not know really where he is, what is exactly happening. He's trying to piece it together in the midst of this confrontation with her. 
Yeah. And I'm going to put a pin in that because I think that's really going to, um, when we get to the questions in a moment, I think that's really going to factor in. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'll start doing those questions. Oh, others say, yes, I agree. This is a very good episode. At the same time, I kind of came, I came on the zoom this morning kind of thinking there's, there's probably going to be a, a tangity one. It's not, <laughs> it's not a moral dilemma twilight zone where you really have to work out like what's happening. I mean, it's pretty clear what's happening. It's pretty clear what these people are like. Um, it's pretty clear what happens after the episode, which is not the case with some Twilight Sense. Right. Although we never get a sequel, do we, where Bernie gets his comeuppance? Or here is one thought I had. What if Bernie puts on the shoes? Then what happens? Oh. Does Dane as Bernie kill Bernie? I think he just takes the business he didn't want to sell because it's now his. Mm, you're probably right. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Yeah, that's not a very good story. Except he can never take his shoes off. He's got to wear them this forever. This is true, at least not in front of his cronies and stuff. You're, well, if he takes them off again, um, uh, Daggett's never putting those things back on again, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, actually, there is not a sequel. However, this is the only Twilight Zone episode to be remade twice. It was remade in the 1980s version as Dead Woman's Shoes. And in the okay. 2002 version as Dead Man's Eyes. So I guess. Oh. They were, yeah. So first they changed gender and then they, I, I don't know if it's glasses. Maybe he's Clark Kent in the 2002 one. I'll get to hmm. it eventually. So. <laughs> okay. Might want to have to check those out just to see the difference. What's the well, twist? This podcast is supposed to hit both of those eventually. So. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? Maybe I'll save them. And if you want to have me back, we can go through them when it's that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, actually, That'd be cool. This, this is a question to listeners as well. Um, uh, I my plan for this podcast is is to get to all the Twilight Zones and Night Gallery and, and stuff like Tales of the Dark Side. If I just keep doing it, however, I would love listener input on if I should say go straight to the Jordan Peele one first and then like cut back, or if I should just go like sequentially in order. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me on a Twitter or something what y'all what y'all would like for the future trajectory of the show to be. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, do it. I'm just kind of excited. It's like, do, do, should I stick in Black Mirror in between Twilight Zones? I don't know. Maybe I'll put it up to a vote eventually. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, now I get to yeah. five of this. So, uh, but give yeah, the people I, what they want. I, I would love to hear people's opinions on on the the future course because uh, I don't. There's no reason to just do them chronologically, but I could. So, it's an option, but it's not one you have to go for. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, how about them questions? Let's do it. Uh, first one is who in this episode went into the Twilight Zone, which I well, do think is a little more confusing than usual. <laughs> <laughs> because it's more than one person. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Nathan slash Dane slash other homeless guy. So but we have to treat them as different characters, I think, because they are all their own people. Yeah, but they're all connected through these shoes. Right. Um, Dane, I guess he one he it seems like he just warms up to the situation really quick because the body at the beginning is his like actual body, right? Yeah, because everyone's surprised that he's showing up as a different person. So, is right. he of the Twilight Zone when he dies? I mean, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Or like, yeah, did these shoes transform Dane somehow when he got them from the old country? He puts mm -hmm. them on and. He's different too. Yeah. 
could be the, 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 the gypsy shoes. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so don't know. Yeah. We don't have nearly enough context. And so if there ever was a sequel, that would have actually been a cool question to answer. And then to know, of course, the fallout, how did it, this end or did it? Exactly. Cause I mean, he says he's coming back and then the guy, the, the other guy puts on the shoes. So, you know, he's going to have uh, yeah. hair, hair, was it hair Zoller coming and try and off him, I guess. Zeller. Yeah. Zeller. Like all these poor homeless guys are going to end up dying, trying to kill Bernie. So I think it's Bernie and the homeless guys who go through the twilight zone. I, I think I'm personally, hmm. I would not include Dane in that. Uh, he's kind of owning this twilight, this particular twilight zone. Okay, that's fair. Although, when we get to the deserve question, you're you're certainly welcome to include Dane as well. But uh, my my personal <laughs> answer for the first is Dane is is not. Um, I Daggett figures out what's happening. Uh, like at the end, he do, he's about to say, like, who was that? Oh, that I don't know. You know, he kind of yeah, he blatantly lies to Daggett. He he decides well to, to his right hand man, right? Or uh, yeah, so, sorry. So. Yeah, he decides to keep the Twilight Zone to himself. So I guess the wife is certainly involved because she has to be confronted with her abusive husband in a different man's body. It makes me wonder, did she figure out fully what was going on or will she? She'll and Or maybe... does she care? <laughs> but probably doesn't know tomorrow she'll be having breakfast hey wait a minute i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't know i think maybe she's just going to go on continuing to play solitaire and really not give two craps yeah as well say she'll probably be happy if she didn't, he didn't show up again ultimately <laughs> i mean as long as the money keeps coming in paying for her apartment she's probably fine exactly um let's start talking about who deserves it uh or doesn't deserve what <laughs> how about the how about Nate himself? I mean, he commits the crime of stealing a dead man's shoes, but that doesn't seem like a um possession than death trip. <laughs> yeah, I think he got way more than he was asking for in this one. He definitely did not deserve what he got. I mean, Bernie on the other hand maybe does deserve more than what he got. Yeah, cause, well he was kind of nasty towards uh, Nate in the first place. Um I'm also sitting here thinking, does does Kyle Reese deserve it? Because he steals shoes from a living uh, man in, in the Terminator. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Is it worse to steal from a living person or a dead person? Oh, no. He steals the guy's coat and then steals the shoes from the department store. OK. Oh, but oh, oh, oh. OK. That's yeah. Right. Worse. He took the guy's coat. It is L.A. Yeah. though. So I guess maybe the uh, temperature's not that bad. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't seem too bad. Really, people weren't like shivering or anything. Hey, our 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 Star Trek heroes st stole all those clothes in City on the Edge of Forever, didn't they? <laughs> it's true, they did. Yeah. The time, I, if you have just time traveled, does that like license you to steal clothing? I, I guess so. Uh, it's not a moral quandary. I don't know if, if it traveled. licenses you. <laughs> I think it's it's more a necessity. You do what you have to do, even if morally it's not great because survival you're going to do things you normally would not do of course we just did the buster keaton episode once upon a time where um he time travels uh he takes his pants off then time travels and then has to steal pants in the future because for some reason he decided to time travel without his pants without on. pants i mean huh. it's hysterical i mean that you know he's standing in the stupid 
helmet in the middle of the street with no pants on, which is a busy <laughs> street. So a great, great shot. Perfect for yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, why did he time travel without his pants? You know, that's stupid. He, so he so, could get future pants. Yeah. Well, he and, and he gets them in a very, you know, cool Buster Keaton um, little stunt, too. I mean, well, 67 <laughs> year old Buster Keaton stunt. It doesn't really stack up to the 20 stuff. <laughs> they, they don't drop a house on him in this one. Ah. <laughs> bummer the twilight zone didn't have the budget for that anyway <laughs> no no it really didn't did it <laughs> uh, yeah so i i we talk about how everyone in this episode is awful but i do feel kind of bad for nate like he's got one of the worst you know we don't know much about him but he, he just seems like a relatively you know like of the down and out guys he's the most chill it seems and yeah yeah poor guy is probably just trying to scrape by and looking for an opportunity to get you know, help up, you know, not a handout, but a help up. And we just don't know much about his past. Like, did he lose his job? Has he been married? Anything like that? Who knows? He definitely did not deserve to die just because he took this guy's shoes. Exactly. So that I'd say, yeah, yeah. As much as this episode is filmed with, with scum and villainy, um, He's one of the least deserving guys in the Twilight Zone, I think, uh, Nate. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know for sure what happens, but maybe the other homeless guy at the end who also puts on the shoes, does he have a similar fate and does he deserve it just as little? Or does he successfully murders everyone in that in that uh, office? <laughs> and if he does, probably good on him. He's probably yeah. doing the world a favor. <laughs> <laughs> and then the then the anvil can fall on him because he also deserves it. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> that that would be my en ending or my sequel. He comes back as that guy is successful and then then the anvil or a trapdoor. We could have a trapdoor and a laser sharks underneath. That'd be fine too. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to put this one on the tripometer? That's zero to five. Mm, okay. I forgot to really think this one through, to be honest with you. It's not super trippy because it is such a straightforward story. But if it were happening to you, like if you were Nate, this would be a 4.5 out of 5. <laughs> Watching it as a member of the audience, it's probably right in the middle. It's like a 2.5. It's interesting. It leads to good questions. But it's not wow trippy. Not not in, not even close. Yeah. What do um, you think? Yeah. One. I, it seems Nate did not observe the events while the shoes were on because he seems truly confused when he when the shoes come off. So um, the supernatural elements clear. It's telegraphed at the beginning, and then we get a pretty good crime drama. Like it's like again, it had me thinking as a, as a postmodern man of uh, Quentin Tarantino films or something, right? Mm -hmm. So. I think I'm going to keep it down at a, a somewhere between a 1.5 and a 2. <laughs> Ooh, all right, pretty low. And I did not find this one to be very trippy at all. Uh I did like it. I mean, I like it better in some trippier episodes, right? Uh Uh-huh. For example, uh we're repurposing the soundtrack from The Fever. I found The Fever to be a trippier episode cuz it had that that machine in it. Uh but the fever is not a better episode. This one's probably a better episode to watch. So, um Yeah, I mean, it it's <laughs> pretty solid through and through it does not drag anywhere kept me glued the whole time i don't know about you but this is one of the better ones i think i've watched so far 
Yeah, yeah. So it is it is a standout one in that just as a piece of entertainment. But uh, again, the tripometer is not a meter of quality. I, I sometimes need to reiterate that. So, um, <laughs> I mean, what probably a good idea since we just we gave... both rated it so low. Yeah, yeah. We gave. I ended up getting Death's Head revisited a a negative five on the tripometer. So. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Um, which is uh, oh, a, a episode I'm glad I did not invite you for as it had like a, a Nazi commandant with with your family name. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been a little hard to take. Now, granted, it's probably spelled a little different because I have an E in my name. It's M-I-E-D-T. Nevertheless, phonetically. Yeah, I, I feel weird. <laughs> okay. So that that was a requested one anyway. So so it worked. Oh, out. good. Good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll take off the shoes then. Actually, I'm not wearing shoes. You don't wear shoes in your house. I'm not either. <laughs> oh, you don't in Japan. I, it's weird if you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You you have to take off your shoes. We do the same thing in our house though, because carpet. Yeah, when I was living um, for a few years back in America, um, we had an apartment. And basically, um, told everyone to do it. So unless they had like yep. back problems or something. <laughs> you come to our house if you're going to go upstairs you better take your shoes off right right yeah so anyway <laughs> uh, people you don't wear dead men's shoes you keep your floors clean and uh get some slippers or just sock yeah it. and if you don't have to don't steal shoes from anybody yeah unless you're time traveling this guy was not time traveling so maybe no a little bit um, <laughs> that might have been more trippy yeah um <laughs> I, I guess i did ask you to to front upload uh what's up with you in the podcasting world but uh do you want to throw out a website where people can find your stuff uh sure you can find my podcasting stuff at ohtheprofanity.com you can see a listing of the things that i have done and if you want to talk to me i'm on twitter at ohtheprofanity oh you're back on twitter i did i yeah i'm very uneasy about this decision i really did start to feel like I was missing things mm. via Twitter and just social media in general. Like I took months long break from all of it. Like I didn't really have an Instagram account or a Facebook account or any of that. Uh, but after I dropped Twitter, I just kind of dropped all of it, everything except for discord to be with the mission loggers. And it was a nice break for a while, but I really did start missing things news wise and information wise and thought, okay, what do I do here? <laughs> so I I still hate billionaire man baby uh, people in charge of all these networks. And yet, as much as I hate to admit it, they do still serve somewhat of a purpose, at least until something else comes along that is even better. And I think we're all collectively waiting for that thing, but it's not here yet. So in the meantime. Yeah, I have pretty good. I mean, I use all of these, but I have pretty good discipline for what I use them for. You know, Facebook is, I basically message people on there. That's what I do on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, Twitter is just for my podcasts, which I'll, I'll link this one to in a moment. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just for my podcast. And it's mostly connected to, you know, other podcasts and podcasters I like. So my Twitter feed is like actually somewhat fun. It's like weird things that happens at theme parks, you know, sci-fi stuff, <laughs> right? That that's my Twitter nice. feed. So that's nice. Okay. Because I don't cool. have so many pers like people on there. It's more like, you know, things I like. So what do I get back? I get things I like. Um yeah, that's good. I think curation really is the key, both in terms of what you post and what you read. 
And unfortunately, we're not very good at that in terms of social media, right? Yeah. So you're doing it right, I think, so that it is a good and useful and enjoyable experience for you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Instagram, I have it. I occasionally put a weird photo in there. It's, it's if anyone wants to look at me on Twitter, it's a psychedelic Japan. So uh, nice. <laughs> um, where I just you know post trippy photos. So <laughs> all right, <laughs> and I'll I'll double down on that mission log Discord. Uh, that's basically where I do all my weird ranting these days and post food photos. And uh, <laughs> we have a Twilight Zone chat every other sunday evening if uh someone would like to get into the mission log patreon their discord um we also have one where where i was well i was having chats on my private patreon too but then i just started inviting some of them to actual episodes of the show so um <laughs> gotcha. hey it's still small enough if you <laughs> if you want to come that's all right join us on patreon at podcastio podcastius you get episodes of this early with a little extra banter um and other shows like films and filth the citizen Kane podcast and we talked about that a little bit i do a caught disney nice. and um yeah you like you can interface with us there um i i use co-host luke's account so i guess i'm when i talk to you it's under luke Summerhay. So i have to start like signing my name at the end but maybe we'll work, maybe we'll work <laughs> that, that out someday but that's there uh on twitter this podcast is time enough pod on twitter uh that basically kind of is my personal twitter account like i said linked to sci-fi and uh theme parks so <laughs> cool um and just a shout out for the other homies you can get other podcasts i'm not involved with there like luke loves pokemon which is about pokemon hyrule field report about the zelda games now that uh tears of the <laughs> kingdom is out and the game game show where gamers game themselves about games Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How much right. game could a gamer game if a gamer could get a game a game? So far, about 75 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <That> yes. Shara, <laughs> um, as always, thank you for joining. And uh, yeah, I, 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 you're a good one for this episode because we can get the episode and we can talk about like an insane amount of tangents. So sometimes <laughs> it's good, sometimes it's bad. <laughs> so, mission accomplished? Uh, that's a loaded phrase, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah, that's true. <laughs> Should have thought of something else. Dang it. <laughs> it's on the internet forever now. That's, Accomplished that's fine. is the mission. Can you just flip the words and then it works out? Sure. We'll <laughs> go with that. Yoda. You do it Yoda style. Accomplished, Accomplished, we did the mission. Yes. There we go. 